You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys today. Like Bevan said, my name is Elliot, and um, this morning we're going to continue this uh, series of messages we started last week titled, Where Are We Going? And we're going to look at kind of the direction that we're headed in as a church and also some of the some of the tools that we use to make decisions along the way. Now, when I was growing up, I loved sports, and I loved stories about adventure, really any story, whether it was a sports story or some story from history where there was a hero. I loved stuff where people did something significant with their lives. And I was a, as a young boy, I would spend my time, even I would sit there in school, and I knew I was supposed to be paying attention to the subject, but I was really off daydreaming about doing something great, being on some grand adventure, accomplishing. And I really just kind of grew up assuming that I would do something with my life that would count, that would be significant. So I remember spending hours on my front driveway um, where the basketball hoop was, and I would just pretend that I was either Jordan or that I was Kobe. And over and over, and I wouldn't just take shots, but I would pretend it was the last second of the game, and it was either a fade away from the corner, or I would pretend that I was Jordan in that classic moment where he dribbles to the top of the key, and he just kind of really lovingly pushes the defender out of the way and crosses over, and then he makes the shot, and he just lets it hang. I mean, I just over and over and over. And so I, I just kind of grew up, and I assumed that as I went through life, that I was going to do something significant, that my life was going to count in the big picture of things. So when I got to college and I realized that sports wasn't in my future, I started to wrestle with, well, what's this going to look like? What is this going to look like for me as I head into the future? What what am I going to do? So I pursued several different things. Over a few years, I pursued things and I thought, well, if I do this or if I accomplish this or if I achieve this thing, then my life will be significant. Then my life will count. I'll be able to point to something specific and say, see, I did that or I was a part of that. And as I was doing that, I came to the conclusion over and over as I went through these pursuits that the thing that I was chasing was in fact too small of a thing. And as I wrestled with wanting my life to count and discovering that many of the things that we live for in this life really in the end aren't big enough for us to give our lives to, I came to an unexpected conclusion. And the conclusion that I came to was that if my life was going to be significant, if I wanted to come to the end of my days, if I wanted to come to the end of my time on this earth and be able to look back at what I had done and say what I did mattered, what I did was significant in the big scheme of things, if that was going to be true of me, then what I needed to do was I needed to center my life around the church. And I came to that conclusion before I ever thought I was going to be on church staff. It wasn't like, okay, now I need to go on church staff. I came to that conclusion that I need to build my life around the church. And then I just assumed I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life in business and raising a family, but I'm going to build my life. Everything that I'm going to be a part of is going to be centered around God's work through the church. And if I do that, then I can come to the end of my life and point back and say, I was a part of something that mattered. Last week in Bevan's message, He said this, he said, the church is where we make the most progress toward the most important destinations in life. And he's 100% correct. That's exactly correct. The church is where we make the most progress towards the most important destinations in life. So if you're going to belong to a church, if you're going to link arms with other people to help that church make progress, you need to know where that church is headed. 
You need to know the, the direction that it's headed in. You need to know how that church makes decisions. So then you can decide if you're going to be a person who makes who helps that church make progress, who contributes to what that church is doing. Or you need to also decide you're either going to help that church make progress or you need to decide, well, maybe this just isn't the church for you. Because the last thing you'd want to do is to drag your heels and make progress difficult for a church that's moving towards the thing that God wants it to do. Because really, you're not just making progress in the church difficult, you're making the progress God wants to see happen difficult. So you want to be really clear on, am I a part of a church that understands, do I understand where this church is headed, and am I going to get on board with that, or do I need to find another place? So through this message series, what we're looking at is we're looking at big picture, destination, where are we headed, and then we're also going to look at some of the things that we do to help us stay on track. How do we determine what to say yes to, and also what to say no to as a church? So last week, Bevan kicked us off. He looked at the destination that we're moving towards here at Seabreeze. And he identified two things, two things that we're focused on as we move into the future. We're focused on building relational bridges in this community. And they're also focused on starting new churches and ministries beyond this community. Now, both of these are things that all of us can participate in. All of us can be a part of building relational bridges, going out, building relationships, getting to know people, building trust so that over time we can invite them to respond to the gospel. All of us can be a part of that. And all of us can be a part of starting new churches and ministries beyond this community. It's not just the people that go that are going to be a part of it. It's also going to be all of us who really help create a culture and an environment where we're the kind of church that's continuously extending beyond ourselves. So as we look to the future, these are things that all of us can be a part of. This morning, what we're going to do is we are going to look at a tool that we use here as a church that helps us stay focused and keeps us moving towards this destination, a tool that helps us say no to things that aren't going to help us make progress and yes to the strategic things that are going to help us make progress. And to start, I want to look at a scene from the life of Jesus where Jesus, he cuts through all the options and the opportunities that he has, and he stays focused on the path that God, his Father, has given him. And this scene is found in um, the book of Mark, Mark's biography about the life of Jesus. It's found in chapter one. And to kind of set the scene for what we're getting ready to read, Jesus is in the city, in the town of Capernaum. He's at the beginning of his ministry. He's just started to gather his followers. He's got this group of guys that are following him. It's The ministry is brand new. And in the town of Capernaum, what he does is he spends the day teaching and helping people. So he's just had a busy, jam-packed day. This brand new, fledgling ministry is starting to have some success. And then we read this, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 32. It says, That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now, this work that Jesus is doing, this is really important work. Jesus is healing people both physically and spiritually. You can imagine that as his followers are participating in this, they're really excited about the work that's happening. It says the crowd is so big, it's described as the whole town has gathered together. So you can, you can imagine there's a lot of excitement. And Jesus is working hard. He's helping people. He works late. Very next verse, verse 35, really, really helpful verse, says this. It says, very early in the morning, so right after he's healed all these people, very early in the morning, 
While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Really informative for us, because in the midst of the busyness, all these demands on Jesus' schedule, all the different opportunities for him to do different things, Jesus carves out time to go and spend time with God, his Father, so that he can get direction, so that he can get clarity on what he's supposed to do. So in the midst of this, the disciples come and they find him. And we read this very next verse, verse 36. Simon, Simon's kind of the lead of the disciples. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. So you can kind of sense it in the disciples' response. So Jesus has just worked hard. He's worked late into the night. He's helped people. He gets up early, goes and spends time to hear from God. The disciples show up and they're essentially saying, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? There's all these opportunities. We're this, we're this new ministry that's just getting started and we've got some momentum and the crowds are gathered and we've got to take action. You can just sense this urgency in them. They're thinking that, okay, if this thing's going to continue, if this thing's going to grow, we have to act on these opportunities, these pressing needs that are all around us. Jesus, Jesus what in the world are, we do, are you doing? There's work to be done. We've got to get back to the town and we've got to do work. Check out Jesus' response. Next verse, verse 38. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. Think about this for a minute. This is so fascinating. This is a brand new ministry. Jesus is surrounded by urgent needs that are making demands on his time. And instead of responding to them, he says, let's go somewhere else. He says to the need right in front of him, this opportunity to take action, he says no to doing something. Now, why does Jesus do this? Well, the reason is because there are times when you have to say no to opportunities, even really good opportunities, so that you can instead focus on the strategic activities that will help you accomplish your assignment. Jesus was really clear about his assignment. He knew exactly why he came. He knew exactly what God, his father, wanted him to focus on. So it allowed him to say no to something, something that was even a good opportunity, something that his followers thought, we've got to take action and we've got to do this. But Jesus said no to it so that he could focus on something that was more important. When you're clear about your assignment, it helps you cut through the pressing issues of the moment. So here at Seabreeze, we have a tool that helps us do this as we make decisions. The tool is called the vision frame. And what we're going to do in our time this morning is we're going to walk through this tool, each side of the frame, and I'm going to explain the different parts of the frame and then also how this helps us make decisions. Now, if you're following along on the message outline this morning, you'll notice that there's a lot of fill in the blanks this morning. So there are a lot of opportunities to take notes as we go through and we fill this out. Now, for some of you, you love strategic planning. You love knowing how decisions are made. So for some of you, I don't need to use any illustrations or stories. I don't even need to show pictures. I just need to very detailed go through how this thing works. And you're just going to be like, this is awesome. Now, there's others of you, and this kind of stuff just isn't your cup of tea. And so for you, what I would encourage as I go through this for all of you is, first of all, take good notes. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to take notes as I go through this message this morning. So take good notes as I go through this. Another thing is as questions come to mind, which you'll probably have questions as we go through this, as you have questions, 
write down your questions, and then later ask one of us on staff, ask somebody in leadership, get answer to your questions. But probably the most important thing that you could do this morning, again, we're talking about this so that, so that you can decide, am I going to lean in? Am I going to contribute even more to what God is doing here at Seabreeze? So I think the most important thing you could do this morning is to consider what's a next step that God wants you to take when it comes to contributing to the work that God's doing here through Seabreeze. So we're going to unpack this this morning. I encourage you to be considering that as we go through this. So let's start with the right side of the frame. The right side of the frame is our mission. And mission answers why we exist. It's a short summary statement that explains what God wants us as a church to accomplish. So here's our mission statement here at Seabreeze that you can write down. Our mission statement is thoughtfully inviting broken people to experience transformation in Christ. So let me give you a minute to write that down. So the first word is the word thoughtfully. We start by thinking about people. We get to know them. We relate to them. We consider who they are, what's going to make sense to them, what's going to benefit them in their life thoughtfully. The next word is the word inviting. If we're going to invite people to follow Jesus, we have to go to them. We have to take action. We have to take initiative. The mission is not going to be accomplished if we sit back passively, if we just limit all of our activity to what's happening on this campus. Thoughtfully inviting means that we take the first move towards people. So we're thoughtfully inviting and then broken people. Broken people because of sin, everybody's broken. Everybody is in need of God making us new on the inside. Now, something that's really common in our society is for us to gauge human brokenness based on physical appearance. So we kind of look at how somebody's doing on the outside, how they're put together, how their life is going, and that's how we determine human brokenness. It's kind of like this one time that I was looking for a new car and I had a buddy who was a dealer, and so he got me into one of those auctions where you, you go to those auctions and it's just this massive parking lot full of cars and you get this list of all the cars that are available and then you walk up and down the rows and you kind of view the cars in advance. So we're doing that, we're walking through this um, auction and we're looking at all the cars that are available and we've got this list and we've identified here's the cars that we wanna look at as we go through it. And so we found this one car and it almost perfectly met all the criteria of what I was looking for. It's a newer model, it was really clean on the outside. When I got up to it, I was surprised at how clean it was on the outside, got inside the car, started looking around the interior. The interior was really, really clean. There were no odd smells or weird stains or anything like that. And I started to think, this is the car. This is the car that we want. But because my buddy, he knew what he was doing, he said, well, let's pop the trunk or pop the hood. So he pops the hood and he looks under it. And as soon as he gets it open, he says, nope, this isn't the car, needs a new engine shuts it and says, we need to move on. Now, I'm not a car guy, so I don't know what he saw under the hood, but he saw enough to know that, hey, it looks great on the outside, but under the hood, this thing, this thing needs to be overhauled. This thing needs a new engine. You, this isn't the car that you want. You know, for you and me, we live in one of the most affluent places, not only in the world today, but in all of human history. As we look around at the people that live around us, I mean, people... Generally, they, they look happy. They look like they've got it put together. I mean, we have these massive screens in our homes and these screens in our pockets that entertain us. We have hobbies that fill our time. 
We have enough money not only to meet our basic needs, but to give us many of the things that we desire and that we want in this life. So you look around and, I mean, everybody kind of looks like they got it put together. They look pretty good. A lot of times we think, man, they've probably got it better than we do. But if you draw close to people and you start to scratch below the surface, what you realize is that people are experiencing the shattering effects of sin. Sin has broken all of us. And just like that car needed a new engine, we're surrounded by people that on the outside, they look great. But because of sin, they need a new heart. And that's why the mission is thoughtfully inviting broken people to experience transformation in Christ, because the only one that can make us new from the inside out is Jesus. And so that's what our mission is. Our mission is inviting people to experience that, to experience that new life, that inside-out change, that Jesus is the only one, Christ is the only one that can accomplish that. So that's the mission. That's the starting place, thoughtfully inviting broken people to experience transformation in Christ. The left side of the frame is our values. Our values are as people engage with us, as they start to interact with us, they start to get get to know us. What are the things that we want them to experience? That's the left side of the frame, the values. The first value is us for them. Now this value, us for them, this comes out of Jesus's teaching and example in Luke chapter 15. This last um, August here at Seabreeze marked 35 years of us existing as a church. And there was a study done back in 2018. And in this study, they found that every year in the U.S., 3,700 churches permanently close their doors. Let me read that again. Every year in the U.S., 3,700 churches permanently close their doors. Now, that study was in 2018, so the guess is that the number is higher today than it was then. Now, there's a lot of reasons why this is the case, why so many churches permanently close their doors every year in the U.S. There's a lot of reasons, and it's fairly complex, but there's a few things that they've identified. One of the things they've identified as they've researched this is that local churches have a predictable life cycle. What happens is a new church starts off... The people that make up the church, the individuals, they're all mission-focused. They are, they're living this value of us for them. They might call it other terms, but they're, they're outward-focused. They're saying, hey, what do we need to do? What do we need to sacrifice to move this thing forward? So they're all aggressively sacrificing to move the mission forward. But then at some point during the life of that church, the individuals who make up the church shift from being outward-focused to being inward-focused. Instead of the question being about us for them, it becomes about, well, what about us? Well, what's in it for us? It really becomes, instead of us for them, it becomes either us for us, people just existing for the people that are there, or it even sometimes becomes us against them, where now it's just about we've got to survive and we've got to live in opposition to whatever's going on outside of the walls. Whenever a church does that, whenever a church becomes inward focused, the countdown clock to the eventual death of that church has just started. And depending on the size of the church, depending on the resources, some churches can go for years before the effects of that decision ever start to become visible because they've got the resources and they've got the size that they can kind of hide it. But as soon as the church goes inward focused, 
that, that decline has just been put into effect. They track this. I mean, this is a marked thing that over and over they can say, okay, that was the moment the church went inward. That was when the decline started. It's not about us. It's about them. It's not about the people that are already here. Yeah, we're going to grow. We're going to advance. We're going to follow God. But our mission, again, is thoughtfully inviting broken people to experience transformation in Christ. We're here for them. If we're going to continue to move forward as a church and accomplish the things that God wants us to do, we have to fight the tendency to go inward and continuously be us for them. We have to live this value. Second value is space to investigate. You know, this recognizes that people don't change when they're forced or manipulated. They might conform for a brief period of time, but deep down they won't change. As soon as they have the opportunity, they'll just spring back to their original shape. So we want to give people space to investigate. We want them to investigate the claims of Jesus. We want them to investigate the Christian life so that they can freely decide if they're going to follow Christ or if they're not going to follow him. We give space to investigate. Then growth requires community. You know, we're not designed by God to live lone ranger lives. That's not how he designed us. Growth occurs as we're part of a group. We connect in that group and we do our part in that group. Growth requires community. Next is wisdom requires training. You know, if you want to become wise, you have to train. You have to put in effort. It doesn't just happen. You know, it's not one of those things. Sometimes people just think that, oh, you know, you've got gray hairs. You must be wise. No, no. The question is, did you train, not did you age? You know, that's not the question. A couple verses on this. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. It says, train yourself. Hebrews 5.14, really fascinating. It says, but solid food is for the mature. Who are the mature? The mature are those who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. They've trained themselves. If you want to become wise, you got to train yourself. Wisdom requires training. The next value is faith inspires courage. You know, as we go through life, there's this tendency for the desire for comfort and stability to just kind of settle in and take over as we go through life. I mean, I'm experiencing this. This year I turned 39. My wife and I, we've got four kids. We've got a house. Every year I feel the desire for security and safety and comfort. I feel that desire just creeping in. And the willingness to take risks, to step out, to do stuff that's courageous, to do the hard thing, even if it costs me, that willingness to do those things, I can feel that shrinking. But the challenge is, is I shouldn't just limit a life of courage to when I'm young. I need to allow my faith to inspire me to live in courage. I need my faith in who Jesus is, what he's done, what he promises. That should inspire me to step out in courage. So what that means for me as an individual, what that means for you too, is as we go through life, like, you know, I'm turning 39 this year. If I make it to 70, or if I make it to 80, my hope is that at 70 or 80, I have more courage then than I do right now at 39, and then I did when I was 21. Because what that means is then, if that's true of me, that means that at 70 or 80, my faith in who Jesus is, is more real then than it is right now. My faith should inspire me to be willing to do the hard thing, to take the risk, to sacrifice 
in order to step out and do what God wants me to do. You know, if we're going to be a church that builds bridges, relational bridges into our community, and if we're going to be a church that starts new churches and ministries, we have to be a church that lives this value. Faith inspires courage. If comfort and stability are the number one thing that we live for, and then, well, with whatever's left over, then maybe we'll have some courage. We're not going to accomplish this. We're not going to move towards the destination. We have to hold on to this value of faith inspires courage. This should be something that grows over time. The bottom side of the frame is the strategy. So we've got the mission, we've got the values. The bottom side of the frame is the strategy. The strategy identifies the activities that we engage in that help us accomplish the mission. So here's our strategy here at Seabreeze. The strategy is to extend a thoughtful invitation to first relate in real life. Relate in real life is going out into the community, building relationships with friends and neighbors so that over time we develop trust and then we can share the gospel with them. Relate in real life. This is not something that can happen on the property, by the way. This is something that we each individually do. We go out and we build these relationships. Attend a worship service, what we're doing right now. Connect in a group. In the announcements, Bevan talked about the different opportunities to connect in a group, growth groups and Horizon. Volunteer on a team. Volunteering on a team is where you put volunteering on your schedule. You're contributing to the ministry that the work is doing. Other people are relying on you and counting on you in that effort. Volunteer on a team. And then the last one is engage in a learning environment. What engage in a learning environment is, is it's, it's taking advantage of opportunities to gain wisdom and learn more about how God wants us to live. So we relate in real life. We attend a worship service, connect in a group, volunteer on a team, engage in a learning environment. As you in, do these things, as you interact in these five different ways, what's going to happen is increasingly you're going to help the mission of the church move forward And also, you're positioning yourself to experience more and more transformation and growth in your personal life. So this strategy, this really kind of has an organizational and an individual side. As an organization, we are continuously talking about these things. That's why we talk about them on Sunday mornings on a regular basis. We're providing opportunities, inviting you to engage in these things. That's kind of the organizational side. But as an individual... The question for all of us to ask is, how am I doing in these five areas? How am I doing with getting out in my community and building relationships with people that don't have a relationship with God? How's my Sunday attendance? Is it just when I feel like it? Is it just when, you know, the weather's good or my team's not playing? Or am I making a priority to come on Sundays? Or connecting in a group or volunteering? Are people counting on me? Are they relying on me? Am I, am I taking opportunities to en- engage in a learning environment or learn more? So one of the questions I want you to wrestle with this morning is the question, which one of these do you need to take a next step in? You know, these five things on there, which one of these do you need to take a next step in? You know, do you need to take a next step in your neighborhood? Do you need to, is it a prioritized Sundays? Is it Joining a group like Bevan talked about a minute ago. Are you volunteering? Is anybody counting on you? Or are you part of a team? Or is it just kind of when, when it's convenient or when you feel like it? Or is it, you know, you need to lean into some learning environments? Which one of these do you need to take a next step in? Now, like I've said a few times, this tool helps us stay on track towards the direction that God wants us as a church to head in. It helps us make decisions, helps us know what to say yes to, and also what to say 
no to. And so I want to give you an example of one of the ways that we have used this more recently. For years, as a church, we did a program called Vacation Bible School. It's also short. It's known as VBS. And Vacation Bible School is a great program. Vacation Bible School is a program that's been around for a long, long time. Many, many churches do this. My, my father-in-law got, became a Christian as a young boy at a church that provided a Vacation Bible School program. Many churches in our area provide summer Vacation Bible School programs. And when we provided Vacation Bible School, it was a really good program because many of you You sacrificed, you volunteered, you contributed to make it a really good program. So Vacation Bible School is a good program. But as we started using this vision frame, and we started kind of considering where is God taking us as a church, what are the things that we need to focus on, we started asking the question here at Seabreeze, is Vacation Bible School helping us advance the mission? Is it helping people engage in the strategy? So we considered this. We considered our people as a result of Vacation Bible School, are people making decisions to follow Jesus? Are we seeing families who aren't a part of a church engage in Vacation Bible School, and then over time they start to participate in what God's doing here at the church? Are we seeing movement in these different areas? Are we seeing these significant decisions made? And as we tracked this, we realized that the answer to this question was no. And a big reason that the answer to the question was no was because the majority of the participants in our vacation Bible schools were Seabreeze families or they were Christian families from other churches. And the reason they were doing vacation Bible school is because really it was a a low-cost summer child care option where they could drop their kids off in a safe environment where their kids would learn some Bible stories and then the parents could go and do something else. Now, that's, that's not a bad thing, but that's not our mission. So as we wrestled with, okay, are we doing the things that are going to help us move towards the mission? And we analyzed Vacation Bible School. We decided, well, let's let's stop Vacation Bible School. And instead, we replaced it with a sports camp. So we've done this sports camp now for the last two years. And we, we didn't come up with this idea. It's not original to us. There's been other churches that had done this. And so we learned from them. But let me just give you some of the stuff we've learned from sports camp over the last two years. First thing is, a third of the families who participate identify as not having a church that they go to. So a third of the families, we weren't getting that before. Also, the families don't drop their kids off. The families come and for two hours, they hang out. So that means for two hours, for five nights in a row, we have an opportunity to have conversations and build relationships to build trust with these families. As a result of that, there are families that now come on Sundays, that their first interaction with with us was sports camp. They started to build a relationship. Now they come on Sundays. There's other families who their first interaction with us was at a sports camp, and now they're a part of the Upward program that we're doing on Saturdays, which gives them more opportunities to connect with families from Seabreeze, build trust, and eventually hear the good news about who Jesus is. We can track this stuff. Another thing that's been really interesting that's significant is the number of volunteers has skyrocketed, specifically among the men. This last summer, we had almost 190 volunteers for sports camp, and it was split almost evenly 50-50 men to women. So not only are we seeing people, more people from the community that don't have a church home come and participate in stuff like this, there's also more opportunities for you guys to get involved in the significant work 
that God is doing. Now, there's probably going to come a day, there, there will actually come a day when we don't do sports camp, when we decide, well, there's something else we want to try, or there's something more strategic that we want to lean into. But using this tool has again and again helped us make decisions, helped us know what do we say no to, even the good opportunities, what are the things that we say no to so that we can focus on the strategic activities that are going to move us in the direction that God wants us to move in. So this tool has been really, really helpful in helping us make those decisions. The top of the frame is what we call the measures. So the top of the frame is the measures. These are indications of progress. Now in a church, indicators of progress are kind of a tricky thing. In business, you know, if you want to indicate progress, it's market share, number of investors, it's the bottom line. You know, you can track progress pretty simply in business. But what about in church? I mean, how do you track progress in church? Are we making progress when we fill the majority of the seats on a Sunday morning? Or are we making progress when the parking lot hits capacity or we max out the kids' building? Is that progress? What about when growth group signups fill up? Or maybe progress is we meet the budget needs. Maybe we have enough giving to cover all the budget needs. Are those the main things that we track for progress? What about building projects? You know, we did the kids' building just a few years ago. Or, you know, right now we're doing Next Move 2.0 to complete the back half of the student building. You know, maybe it's like if we get the funding for those things, maybe that's the progress that we track. And those things are significant, and we pay attention to those things. But the measures, the real indicators of, of, of progress that we're paying attention to is this. This is our statement. Transformation is demonstrated in the way we live the hard attitudes and share the gospel. More than the seats being filled, more than the parking lot, more than the budget, what we're paying attention to, are we living the hard attitudes, and are we sharing the, go the gospel? Next week, I'm not going to get into it today, because next week, Bevan's going to go into the hard attitudes in detail. But the hard attitudes, they're seven summary statements from the Bible about how God wants us to relate to one another, and also how he wants us to interact with the church. And so these are the things that we pay attention to. These are the questions that we ask. Are we growing in these things? As individuals, as an organization, are we making progress in living these hard attitudes? Are we making progress in sharing the gospel? Those are the things that we focus on as we move towards making progress. So I've got two next steps for you today that I want to encourage you to take as I wrap up this morning. The first next step is we've talked about the strategy and I encourage you to identify a strategy next step. I would encourage you to get really specific. Which one of those five things do you need to take a next step in? Which one of those do you need to lean more into in order to help the mission both advance and then also experience more transformation and growth in your life? So what's a strategy next step you need to take? The second next step is I would encourage you to, extend, to attend Explore Seabreeze Discover. It's a class that we're offering on February 4th. So Explore Seabreeze Discover, what it is, is we go into more detail about who we are as a church. This vision frame tool, this is only a tool, and it's a limited tool. We didn't get into policy. We didn't get into doctrine. We didn't get into how we're structured in leadership or how we make major decisions behind the scenes in the church. We're just looking kind of big really high level at this one, but at Explore Seabreeze Discover, what we do is we go into more detail really on the inner workings of how we do things as a church and some of our, some of our beliefs about some really important issues. So whether, 
Whether you've already decided that this is your church home or whether you're on the fence, I would encourage you to attend this class on February 4th. So it's a two-hour class. We provide lunch. It starts at noon. It goes to two o'clock. We also provide childcare for the class. And if you want to sign up for it, you can sign up on your connection card. So Bevan's talked about the connection card earlier. On the connection card, on the digital one, you can just click Explore Seabreeze Discover. If you're filling out a physical card, you can just write that in to the contact me about or sign me up for and then drop that in the box as you're on your way out. So I encourage you to attend that. Let's go ahead and sing and then the band will come up for our final song. Father God, I, I thank you that as we go through life, you allow us to participate in something that's really going to count. That you don't leave us to just wander aimlessly through life trying to figure out on our own what's going to be significant. We don't have to just look to the ever-changing opinion of culture for what culture says will be significant. But we can go to you, a rock-solid foundation, and hear from you on what we can build our life on so that in the end, we'll look back and we'll say, I did something that mattered. I did something that was significant. So God, I pray that as we lean into building our lives around the church, that more clarity on the direction we're headed in the church, how we make decisions, I pray that that will result in all of us taking a step in to contribute even more to the movement that you want to see happen here at Seabreeze. I thank you for your clarity. Thank you for speaking to us on these topics. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church Podcast.